Oh, I just got and say something. Alright! <laughs> Alright, guys and girls, welcome to another episode of uh, Under the Dome with uh, my uh, hysterical co host, Sean Williams. Uh, I'm your host, Alan Orrick. How you doing, guys? Doing great, man. Doing great. It's been a long day. Uh, we had our uh, yearly tests and scans this morning at the hospital. As far as we know, everything is good, but I, I'm going to get into that a little bit further in a minute. I know you have a very, very extra special uh, introduction to make there. Yes, this is sibling rivalry. Okay, about two, three <laughs> weeks ago, we had Matthew on. I get a text message on my, my iPad telling me, well, you know, I have to be on now because Matthew was on. So this is the redhead in the bottom of the screen here is my daughter, Allison Ulrich. Uh, Allison is a basketball player more than a football player, but she's played football. She's played cabbage ball. She won a state championship in basketball. Uh, she's currently at my uh, alma mater. She's at UL Lafayette in her dorm room, supposed to be studying, but she's going to be participating with us for a little while. And she's going to talk to us of what she knows about football to show that she knows more than her brother. So welcome tonight, Allison. I, I can see a Twitter war going just, just immediately after we leave the air. Oh yeah. So say hi, Allison. She's hi. Um, is that Matthew texting you right now? No, that was Paige. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, I know Matthew's watching, so he's going to go, oh, my God. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, I just want to show also it's equal time for women. I'm going to show my daughter knows just as much football <laughs> as her brother does. So, <laughs> we, uh, we have a very football, high IQ football family here. There's worse things in the world to be educated about. I will That's say right. that. That's uh, Welcome, Allie. Uh, we're glad to have you. Uh, real quick, I want to pay the bills. Uh, we want to thank Fan First Productions. And also, if you guys like the Carolina Panthers in any way, shape, form, or fashion, which a lot of our fans do not, and that's uh, that's okay with me, but uh, the, uh, the guys from Fan First Productions also do a Carolina Panthers podcast called the Carolina Cat Chronicles, to which we uh, we occasionally do appearances with them as well. We want to invite you guys to go to iTunes and to YouTube and subscribe to our channels, the Under the Dome. Uh, it, I don't know it. Alan, you may can correct me on it. I don't know if they're still listed under the C3 network, but it 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 may uh may have that included in the title. Anyway, uh, you guys subscribe. Uh, we can. We really need to push our subscription rates up. Uh, I think. <laughs> I, th I think the last time I looked, our YouTube channel has uh, sixty-four subscribers. I'd like to see that go to a hundred before the draft. That would be a cool, uh, cool thing to to set for uh, a goal. Um, Absolutely. All right. You want me to go ahead and, and do my little uh, 
Yeah, yeah, I thought you were going to go ahead and do that. I was giving you uh, free space <laughs> to do that. I never know if you're ignoring me or if you're just listening. Not at all. I am listening, and uh, <laughs> I'm going through stuff right now see, just to double-check what you were talking about just a second ago. See, actually, uh, the, the concept of uh, multitasking is so far out of my, my wheelhouse that it, I don't recognize it when I see it. It is under the dome, uh, under the C3 network. So, okay. Okay. Uh, you guys, it, uh, it helps us out a lot. If you guys not just support what we do and, and uh, watch our podcast, et cetera, et cetera, but to also subscribe on YouTube and to iTunes, that helps us to push our numbers up, which we need a lot. Uh, okay. I have a little, uh, little thing that I, I wanted to, to say oh by the way i got my hair cut and got rid of the beard okay that's out of the way uh every once in a while uh life can be ugly and three for let's see for the for 2000 in october of 2012 my family found this out firsthand because i was diagnosed with Stage three colon cancer. Um, immediately went into um, radiation and chemo treatments. And long story short, we got we got it done. Um, Saturday passed. John Pinto's birthday, actually, January the twenty eighth, made three years that I have been cancer free. Uh, and, and I wanted to take a moment here on this platform that, that we have at reaching this three-year milestone for me is not something that I did by myself. Uh, going all the way back, John Pinto, Miss Jane Mabry, uh, and several. I, I don't want to start mentioning names because I'm going to leave someone out, and I don't want to don't want to do that, but. You guys have supported me all the way back to when I was writing regularly for PFS. You supported my articles. And uh, when I first started hinting at the fact that we were going to have maybe uh, a new project to get off the ground, you guys were inquisitive. And then Alan and I, uh, July the 20th, we, we got this off the ground. And you guys have been more than supportive. I just want you to know, a lot of times in life, it's about focusing on what's in front of you. Sometimes it's equally as important to focus laterally on what's around you. Because what's in front of you may be too horrible to focus on at that moment. And... You never know the people that you touch and the people that you meet along the way. You guys have supported me in a way that I, I can't even begin to express. And I want to just say thank you very much from the bottom of my heart, from my family, to all of you guys. Thank you so much for the support that I, you have shown me and that we have received, not only through this podcast, but over this past three years that you have all been on this journey with me, it feels like. Uh, thank you so much. It means the world to me. And Alan, I, I wanted to tell you about this experience that I had Friday. Uh, 
And it's kind okay. of funny. It, it sounds like I, sounds like I'm patting myself on the back, but it's really not. It was so cool. And I, I say it. I want to share this with you because it has to do with what we're doing here. We're trying to reach mass media. I mean, we're trying to reach numbers. I had to go into the hospital Friday to have my blood work done before my tests today. And registration. And I keep looking over here to the side. And there's this eight, seven, eight-year-old young man over there. And every time I looked over there at him, he was like, and duck down and this went on for about 15 or 20 minutes so i go to the lab to get my test done don't think anything about it well here in a minute this young man and his i would assume his dad walk in and he's doing the same thing he's sitting there looking at me and pee pie you know and i'm thinking what is going on then the kid's dad walks over to me and he says look you're gonna think i'm crazy but my 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 son over there is convinced that he recognizes you. And I was like, <laughs> really? How, how so? He said, he's convinced that he's, he's seen you on YouTube on that dome show talking about the saints. <laughs> and I, I, I just, I didn't want to fall out laughing because I didn't want to insult the man in front. I just kind of put my head down. And picked up my cell phone because my cell phone has an under the dome, the the logo for our uh, podcast. It's on. It's my screensaver when it's locked. And I said, "Well, uh, actually, your son's right." And I turned the phone around where he could see that. And he he was like shocked, and he said, uh, "Would you mind talking to?" Him? I said, "Sure." What's his name? He said, "JJ." So I said, JJ, come here, man. And I sit and I talk to him. And this little kid, he proceeded to tell me a positional analysis of the entire Saints roster, <laughs> what's wrong, what they need to do in free agency, what they needed to do in the draft. And, I mean, this kid knew his stuff. So JJ's going to be and, an upcoming guest on the show. <laughs> I can see this coming. When I walked away from it, Alan, I was so ashamed of myself that I didn't offer that. But the kid asked me my asked me for my autograph, and it just made me lose my mind. JJ, so, uh, you're welcome to come on the show as, as an analyst. You're welcome to come send, on the show as an analyst. You got more talent and more foresight than I do, my little man. Yeah. And to to JJ, if you're watching tonight, which I, I really believe that you are, uh, you made you made my week, man. You made my week. Uh, Acting with people. I love for people to come up and tell me that I have made some kind of impact on them. And this goes right back to, to what I was just talking about because sports has always been my, football especially, has always been my escape. And three years ago, I desperately needed something to focus on besides the fact that I was sitting in a house with, uh, with a disease that could take my life uh, six months after my son was born. And this, this has given me that opportunity. And the only way that, that this opportunity keeps going is with you guys. And I thank you for that. 
I think checks. So. <laughs> <laughs> I got to lighten the mood. I'm sorry. No, Sean, I, I totally get that. I mean, um, cancer is, it's a scary, scary thing. So, and most people, unfortunately, don't make it. Um, so, yeah, you know, like the old Tim McGraw song, Live Like You Were Dying. Uh, yeah, that's exactly it. You have to not take anything for granted because you don't know when tomorrow what tomorrow holds for you. That's exactly uh, right. So, yeah. And, and yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll throw a, a real quick statistic out there for you. Um, the type of cancer that I had, which is colorectal, um, it's the third leading diagnosed type of cancer. For every one of me that's sitting out here saying that I'm three years cancer-free, there's three people that are not. Right. Yeah. I just, we just lost somebody at work to cancer, not colorectal, but uh, a cancer of the esophagus. And um, he was diagnosed in end of April, early May, and he was dead by October. Um, he had stage three. It was very aggressive. Um, the treatments weakened his immune system to the point that, you know, his recovery was really a challenge for him. And while he was trying to recover, uh, the treatments kind of pissed off the cancer and it came back with a vengeance. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's a scary, scary prospect because for so many people, it's a death sentence and, um, it's terrible to think about, um, well, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, it does not escape me just exactly how very blessed that I am. And, you know, I have my religious beliefs. I don't rub them in people's faces, but I'm going to tell you here and now. It's me. It wasn't that doctor or this person or that. God saved me and he saved me for a reason, not just for a season. I like to yeah. think that that reason is to annoy people through this medium. But. <laughs> well, you know, you, you, you've got to have you've got to have something you can focus on. You've got to have hope. Um, and the idea that something better is going to happen. Absolutely. Um, and on that note, I'm, let's <laughs> let's kind of change gears a little bit. Yeah. Gonna change gears I'm sorry. Gets, well, I, I gotta, just I, I wanted I wanted to say thank you. And. There's just there doesn't seem to be any proper way for me to say it and and sound uh, genuine as I am trying to be, but uh, make no mistake about it, you guys. Um, you, every one of you that's sitting in front of a computer screen right now watching this, you are a part of my support system, whether you know me, whether I've ever met you or not, because this is my way of dealing and coping. And it has been for three years and it's worked for three years. And we're in the process now of verifying year number four. So good deal. Well, Miss Allie. Something, that's, <laughs> something, that's, something that is almost as bad as cancer. Super Bowl 51. Um, we have a choice between 
cheering for Tom Brady or <gasps> watching me. the Atlanta Falcons win a Super Bowl. I'm hoping for option C, giant meteor to strike <laughs> the stadium and wipe out everybody. You so, know, the only reason that I'm not I'm not uh, op, uh, D, which is nuclear holocaust in Houston, is because I have family there. No, no, no. So, I just want the giant meteor to hit the stadium. You know, that's it. You know, or or somehow they both lose. You know, like one of those strange calls, like the Auburn LSU game, where LSU thought they won, and so Auburn lost. But no, that penalty shows that LSU didn't actually win, so Auburn wins. So yeah, they both kind of lost at the same one time. Yeah, that's kind of oh, what I'm looking for. Um, so look, we're gonna have this is going to be. If I didn't hate these teams so damn much, um, this would actually probably be a pretty good Super Bowl because I think if anybody can stop the Falcons' offense, it'll be Bill Belichick. Um, Allison, what do you think is – I was going to just throw her in here right from the get-go. What do you think is going (laughs) to be the hardest thing to stop, uh, the Atlanta Falcons' passing game or the Atlanta Falcons' running game? Um. Probably their passing game because of Julio Jones. I don't think the Patriots have a good enough cornerback or whatever to guard Julio Jones. Okay. Um, what about the fact that Bill Belichick usually takes away your best player, which in this case would be Julio Jones? Do you think the rest of the Atlanta receiving core is better than the, uh, the New England Patriots uh, secondary? Um, I think so because, I mean – it's not just Julio Jones who's putting up numbers. The other receivers are, but it's just Julio Jones is getting over 100 yards. Was getting 100 yards per game. So. Okay. Uh, Sean, what do you think? Um, what what is it? What do you think is going to be the deciding factor in this game? It's it's really hard to say. Uh, if there's any offense in the league that could probably especially with a a two-week prep time, if there's any offense in this league that could match the Falcons blow for blow, it would probably be the New England Patriots. Now, if you consider both offenses uh, equal, then obviously the, the determining factor would have to be the defenses. And to be totally honest with you, uh, and I, let me get my, my puke bucket, uh, Atlanta's defense is performing at a higher level than New England's is at this point in time, I do believe. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, but there's one thing that you cannot discount going into this game, and, and I can't overemphasize it enough, and that's the experience factor of a Bill Belichick, a Tom Brady, and uh, uh, Matt Patricia. You, you're they're uh, for the Falcons to compensate for that. I don't think that it, it will, in my mind, I can see Belichick either taking Julio Jones or Devontae Freeman out of the equation. Because like we, uh, we continue to hear on a daily basis, especially leading up to the Super Bowl, Belichick is going to take away the biggest weapon that you have. Well, the only problem with that 
line of thinking with the Patriots is the fact that they don't really have a one big weapon. I mean, they're going to hit you with Devontae Freeman. They're going to hit you with Julio Jones. They're going to hit you with Mohamed Sanu. And when you, you get to where you're feeling your way around all of that, oh, by the way, here, here's Tevin Campbell. Or, or Campbell? Uh, Coleman. 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 I apologize. Uh, see, I don't even like them enough to learn their roster. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be honest with you. This is what I did this past weekend because I did not watch the Pro Bowl. Uh, I watched – I take that back. I watched about five minutes when Drew Brees was in there. Uh, I saw the interception and I saw the touchdown and, you know, did not escape me at the first pass he threw was Jimmy Graham for a first down. Did not escape me. Just wanted to point that out. Thank you very much. <laughs> anyway, I, I dug out Super Bowl 25 because that was the Giants against the Buffalo Bills and the Bills had the K-gun. That was Jim Kelly running that no huddle offense very explosive offense. You've got Thurman Thomas. You had uh, uh, Andre Reed, Pete Metzelaz. You yep. had Ronnie Harmon. You know, you had a good defense, okay, a good pass-rushing, undersized defense going against a Giants team that basically had O.J. Anderson. Uh, you had your second-string quarterback in um, uh, Haas. Haas, Debler, yeah. Uh, you know, you had – a bunch of no-name receivers. Bavaro. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think Bavaro was there anymore. I think Bavaro was gone. But you had Mark Ingram's dad, Mark Ingram. Uh, uh, Tony. Uh, to, um, Tony. Uh, Mc- no, no, it was Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram the first. Mark Ingram the second is the son. No, you're thinking of uh, you're thinking of the uh, San Diego Chargers receiver. Uh, th- okay. That was, and he went to the and he went over to the uh, Broncos. But uh, no. Um, but you had a very under-talented, I should say, Giants team going against an uber-talented uh, Buffalo Bills team that was just blowing teams out in the playoffs. And what was the game plan for that game? Slow it down. and Make it a long game. Make that defense chase you all game where it's got to, you know, when, when Kelly's out there, he may go boom, 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 boom down the field. But you're going to eat that clock up. You're going to keep Jim Kelly and hit that offense on the sideline. And you're just going to grind out and just keep moving the chains, keep getting first downs. I would not be surprised to see that version or that kind of offense unveiled by the New England Patriots in this Super Bowl. Because I think, yes, Belichick's going to take away Julio Jones, but I also think that Belichick's idea or philosophy is going to, we're going to keep Matt Ryan on the sideline and make that offense impatient. So when they do come out, they're going to come out there flinging that ball around, trying to, trying to uh, jump on us in a hurry we got to try and get a couple turnovers or get them off the field, but we're just going to keep eating that clock and eating that clock, and we're going to run eight- and ten-minute drives, and it's going to be a 20-19 yeah. a, a kind of ball game. And uh, I, I, I think that's the kind of game that Belichick's going to play against the Falcons because that kind of thing works. And I think that the, with the Falcons, when you talk about the experience factor, they will get impatient, you know, especially yeah. – 
that defense being out there for so long, they're going to want to get out there and score quickly to make to change the dynamic of the game because that that yeah. team is built to run on a fast track and just you know run up the score and uh, let that pass rush turn that pass rush loose because you're trying to play keep up you know with the, with the Falcons. So that's my that's my feeling. Sure. That's my feeling. So who do you see winning? Um, Not to put you on the spot or anything. <laughs> well, after all that, I, I, I do see <laughs> Tom Brady hoisting another damn Lombardi trophy, and we're going to have to hear all this crap about how such he's the goat and everything else. But I just I, – I, I think Belichick is just a much better coach than, uh, than the human thumb um, – uh, Dan Quinn, uh, you know, I, I just I think the experience factor is just going to be better because I mean, you look go back to that 1998 Super Bowl against the Broncos or the Falcons. Morton Anderson goes to kick a chip shot field goal, he's made a hundred times and he misses it. And what does he say after the game? He says, Man. He said, I went to set up like I normally do, and before I'm ready to go, I made the mistake of looking up in the end zone. And in the end zone, at that corner, he saw so many cameras pointed at him and it hit him right before he kicked that, oh, my God, this is a Super Bowl. This is a lot different than a regular game. And he missed it. He hooked it. And he said, yeah, Yeah. it it gets to you because it's so different. There's so many more people on the sidelines, so much more media, and the finality of it all, you know, the game gets to be too big for the first timers. Um, so, yeah, well, I'm going to go. Well, you I'm know, if you, if you think about it, uh, the Falcons team that made the Super Bowl against the Broncos, correct? Yes. There's no one left from that roster, is it? Oh, no. No, no, no. That was. Uh, I mean that that goes back to 1998. That's yeah. that was a, that was Chris Chandler and, uh, and yeah Jamal um, Anderson Anderson uh, and the, the the linebacker was really good um, Jesse Tuggle. You know yeah. that that was a totally different team. Yeah, no, that was so, Dan Reeves' team. So you're you can basically say that this is a a, a team that's never been to a, a Super Bowl before. Uh, Absolutely, absolutely. Nobody on that team's ever. Well, I take it back. Dwight Freeney's been to the Super Bowl. You know, Dwight Freeney, of course, played against us well, and, and also played the 2006 yeah. Super Bowl. Freeney but, I lost. Mean, Freeney lost one in 09. Yes. Who yes. was that? He lost that too. Yeah. Uh, that that ankle. <laughs> oh, that's my wife's favorite part of that that game. Right before they run ambush, when you're watching. Uh, NFL films version of when they start going to the Super Bowls, all the you know, they get to the same Super Bowl. Um, you know, they have the audio and you hear the line coach say, we got plenty of time. You know, we get the ball first and second half. We got plenty of time. They're going to retake his ankle and stuff like that. Ambush happens and Freeney's not out there. And uh, yeah, Freeney <laughs> got one sack and that was it. You know, he, uh, he was not a factor in the second half at all. So, Allie, who do you like going into this game? Um, probably – this is really killing me to say this, but <laughs> the, the Patriots. 
because I don't like Atlanta at all. Because I don't want to hear them gloat <laughs> if they win. I can't. I no. Well, I I, I posted this thing on on uh, some of our chat rooms last night. This uh this Patriots fan. Or no, excuse me. I'm sorry. This Falcons fan po- uh, tweeted out. Just watch the Pro Bowl. Bruh, these Falcons haters, there wasn't a single Falcons player on the Pro Bowl roster. And the the person that posted this said, man, Falcons fans can't really be that stupid. Dude, we have not yet scratched the surface of how stupid is. (laughs) Okay. The the problem you have is – the problem you have is the Dallas Cowboys and the uh, Seattle Seahawks have uh, have both been eliminated in the playoffs. So all their fans have to go somewhere. So they're on the Falcons bandwagon. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, now all that being said, I, I guess it's my turn to. Uh, I can, uh, like I said, it's in terms of explosive offenses. Uh, Atlanta is one of the most explosive that I've seen in quite some time. Uh, I hate the bet, uh, team. Ooh, that was close. Uh, it's a, it's a lot like they're explosive. A lot like, uh, tequila and taco night. Oh, at, uh, at Poncho's Mexican buffet. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, we give, we'll give explosive points to the Falcons. Uh, I, I, but there again, planning, there is no team ever in the history of this league that Bill Belichick cannot match play for play. Offense, defense, <laughs> special teams. Uh, Bill Belichick is without a doubt the, the, the greatest coach that has ever coached in pro football, and I'm willing to allow that. Now, his quarterback being the greatest of all time, there – Pardon me. There's no way in hell you'll ever Graham. hear me say. Dirty Unitas. Joe Montana. Sorry. <laughs> there's, no, there. there's no way in hell that you'll have me hear, ever hear me say that Tom Brady is the greatest of all time. Sammy Bar. Uh, I'm sorry, God. There's <laughs> not even any way that there's not even any way that you're gonna have me say that hear me say that Tom Brady is the best playing right now because my quarterback for every one of these Lombardi trophies that uh, Tom Brady lifts up, my quarterback's got a record in the record book. It's all up to uh, what your definition of the greatest of all time is. And I'll I'll tell you straight up, I'll take Drew Brees hey. over Tom Brady every day hey, of the week. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, I said this at the other show. I'm sorry to interrupt here. I said this at the other show. You realize with the Atlanta Falcons going to the Super Bowl, the NFC South is the only division – in all of football, they have four teams go to the Super Bowl since that division was created in 2002. Okay, exactly. All four teams, all four teams are capable of going to the playoffs every year. Okay, look at the AFC East. Are you telling me that the Buffalo Bills, who have not been to the playoffs in the 21st century, the New York Jets? And the Miami Dolphins are a challenge to the Patriots. They had a stat up the other day 
showing all the quarterbacks that Tom had been in the AFC Championship game. And Tom, it's like Brady, 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 Roethlisberger, Brady, 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 Roethlisberger. Uh, I think Flacco is like the black sheep, you know, kind of stuck in there. Too tall, but Brady, Brady, Brady. I'm like, really? I mean, you look at the AFC East and or the AFC in general. Who makes yeah. up the top five teams in the draft every year? They're going to be AFC teams. It's going to be Cleveland. It's going to be Jacksonville. It's been Oakland a lot. San Diego. You know, the Jets and the Bills. Occasionally, an NFC team falls in there, but most of the time, it's an AFC team. So it's not like Tom Brady's going through the 85 Bears, the 86 Giants, the 89, uh, 88 or 89 uh, Eagles, the Dome Patrol, Joe Gibbs Redskins. He's not facing those kind of teams. He may face one or two. That doesn't mean he's not a great quarterback. He can't help the teams he's got to play. You play whatever's on your schedule. But what I'm saying is, when you start telling me, like, this guy is the greatest quarterback ever, ever, I'm like, oh, look at this. we got guys coming in Allison's room. Everybody <laughs> uh, yeah, when you tell me you're the greatest team ever, greatest quarterback ever, I'm like, no, 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 no. You have to face tougher teams than what you've been facing. You have to face Joe Montana for, you know, as much as I can't stand the man for what he did to the Saints, Joe Montana faced tough defenses every playoff year he went out there. You know, Joe Montana had to, had to succeed against that New York Giants defense, the Dallas Doomsday yeah. defense, the, uh, the Chicago Bears defense. To tell yep. me that that's what I was just saying. Tom freaking Brady is the greatest of all time. He may be the greatest of this era. You know, there's an argument you can say he's the greatest of this era because he's won the most Lombardi trophies in this era. But don't go to the greatest of all time. It ain't happening. It's not well, because it's I'll, not I'll the be, same. All BS aside, uh, being completely honest, and I, I've had to make this comment before to several people in different chat rooms. When you start talking about greatest of all time, no matter quarterbacks, wide receivers, whatever, it's all subjective. It's going to be by your criteria and your criteria alone. Who are you seeing? Who are you now, seeing? When you're talking about greatest quarterbacks of all are you okay, what is your criteria? Are you going by Lombardi trophies? Are you going by records in the record book? Or, you know, what is, is your right – and as many different people as you have that are telling you as many different ideas as to what makes the greatest player of all time, that's how many different answers you're going to have. Yeah, yeah. It's it just let's move. Uh, you, you can't, let's move you, on to you can't, cheering. Compare errors. Can't compare errors uh, at all. There, there's no way that you can do that and be fair and be fair to each one of those athletes. No. It's the same reason why I defend the 72 Dolphins as being a great team. I don't care what their record was. No one else has done what they did. Um, you know, exactly. the, the Patriots came close, but nobody did what they did. If it's so easy, Thank how come nobody God. else has done it? Yeah, how come nobody else That's has done it? That's exactly. Uh, and it was uh, a different era. Okay. I, I have a question for you guys. Uh, and uh, – 
what would earlier I guess it was uh yesterday we announced the the hiring of linebacker coach Mike Nolan by the Saints. Um uh, mm-hmm. Alan, what do you look to at to be the pros and cons of that hiring? Uh, Mike Nolan is uh, uh, was a head coach of the 49ers. He's a son of a former Saints head coach, Dick Nolan. Uh, Dick Nolan coached from 78 to 80 with the Saints. Um, and um, he's, he was a defensive coordinator for the uh, Baltimore Ravens. He was head coach of the 49ers. Um, He's been also defensive co- defensive uh, coordinator for the for the Falcons. He was a linebackers coach at LSU way back when. Um, so he's got a good defensive pe- uh, pedigree. Uh, you've got to look at linebackers like Ray Lewis that he's had under his tutelage. Uh, he Willis. had Patrick Willis. He drafted Patrick Willis. Um, as much as you may not want to acknowledge it, the, the Falcons have had some good linebackers under him. Um, you I, know, until I was looking at his, I was looking at his pedigree earlier today, and I saw a name that maybe only you will know who I'm talking about. As far as everybody to listen to us right now, Randy Gladishar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, old Broncos linebacker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a, um, yeah. He he. I, I think this is a big step up um, as far as quality coaching. You know, a lot of people hated Joe Vitt. I thought Joe Vitt was kind of the scapegoat for a lot of things. But what you've got sure. with Nolan, what you've got with Nolan is you've got somebody who has a proven track record of developing linebackers and can fulfill that sounding board that, that Vitt did with uh, with Peyton as far as an experienced coach who's been around the league and knows what he's doing, can organize the practices, um, can, uh, you know, war game with Peyton on different offenses and defenses and what he would do and what he sees. You know, all the things that he's to rely on Joe Vitt for outside of coaching, the advice standpoint, I think he can get that with Dick Nolan. I, I'm sorry, with uh, Mike Nolan. Mike Nolan. No, Dick Nolan, unfortunately, has passed away. Um, but, yeah, he gets that with was, Mike Nolan. I was about to ask how that was going to work. but Yeah, no, no, no. no. Uh, oh, poor <laughs> Dick Nolan passed away uh, several years ago. Um, but, yeah, I, I think this is a really good move. I mean, the negative, uh, Andrew Juge uh, wrote this on Twitter, that he really wanted a young linebacker, up-and-coming linebacker coach uh, to coach the Saints linebackers. But, you know, you're about to – I think they're going to draft a linebacker either in the first or second round. Um, You've got young linebackers with Stephon Anthony. Um, You really want an experienced coach who's been there and done that with these young kids and can kind of get them to prepare to be a professional. So that's why I, I, I think this is a good hire. Um, several other, and then of course we've announced uh, a couple other hires. Um, yeah, uh, uh, we brought back Curtis Johnson, which I am thrilled beyond belief that we have Curtis Johnson back because I thought CJ was probably the best assistant coach on the Saints staff going back to 2006. The best coach. Um, do you do you see him doing with uh, Thomas uh, Cooks? Uh, Sneed, uh, and, and we're going to get into the Sneed a little bit later, but do you see him doing with this receiving core what he was able to do with Lance Moore, uh, Marcus Colston? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, they, they're a much more talented receiving core than what um, what the uh, 
what he had to work with when he first came in 2006. Um, I, I, I think the important that the, the, uh, the receiver that's really going to benefit from him is uh, Coleman, Brandon Coleman. Um, sure. He's either going to, he's either going to get Coleman to become more consistent and catch with his hands, or he's going to run him out of there and, and get somebody else in there who can do something. Um, and I think you'll see that fourth receiver, I mean, that fourth or fifth receiver, either an undrafted free agent or a, uh, or a, um, you know, a rookie, you know, that they draft this year, really step up and have an impact. So I think it's, I mean, it's fantastic. And then we got a new special teams coach. The special teams coach um, has a good track record. What are you doing? I'm checking my notes, man. Are you eating? Me? Are you eating chips? Yeah. Me? I'm just wondering. I hear no. like all this crackling. Uh, okay, I just want to make sure. It's like Rice Krispies all of a sudden in my ear. So. It, it, it's the microphone brushing up against my razor stubble, I guess. Uh, I got you. <laughs> well, you know, you're going for that whole Don Johnson Miami Vice look. I got it. I got it. Yeah, well, you know, it's a dirty job, but somebody's got to do it. So, Allison, give us your <laughs> thumbnail sketch while we have somebody here eating Rice Krispies. Give us your thumbnail sketch on the receivers. What do you think yeah. of the receiving core? Um, I really like them. You know, uh, Cooks and Thomas both got over 1,000 yards this past season, which was really good. I think if Snead didn't get hurt in the last game, he would have got to 1,000 yards. They're probably the best three receiving core. In, in the league this past season, in my opinion, because they all came up with amazing catches, and they both – each game one was dominating. Well, you know, what people yeah. people don't understand or, or don't seem to be aware of is we had, as she just said, we just had Cooks and uh, Thomas both over 1,000 yards. Sneed was only 105 yards away from that, that 1,000-yard mm-hmm. barrier. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, you know, I, I, I just, and it just floors me that none of them made the Pro Bowl, even as alternates, but that, that's just, it's Do beyond, I need to stoke that know. fire? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I just, I, it's a popularity contest. You named it really well last week. So let, let me repeat. Let me repeat that for those who, who don't remember last week. Let me find it. The, a- the annual pre-Super Bowl league-sanctioned popularity contest and marketing supplement. Okay. Yeah, I like, the, I like those jerseys they had on, too. My God, it was a I color rush look. I didn't even watch, to be honest. It was ugly. It was ugly. Um it could not be any uglier than those orange – was it Denver or Seattle or – those orange push-up colored jerseys that somebody wore this past year on Thursday night? No, I think that was Denver actually had that on the push-ups, you know, so. Oh, man. No, I have to say – I have to say actually the That's nicest looking – the nicest-looking color rush jerseys were ours. I don't know why, but I guess because it was so simple. It was just white, you know, with black and gold stripes, you know. They couldn't mess it up too badly. I imagine they would. we would have went all gold. It would have been probably kind of hideous, but um, in a gaudy sort of way. Um, <laughs> Very. 
But I mean, we, we come from the land of Mardi Gras, so yeah, yeah. Yeah, they could have they could have made them wear. Can you imagine the Saints wear Mardi Gras colored jerseys one year, purple, green, and gold? People were like, "What the hell? What, is something wrong with my TV? What the hell?" You know, get that whole Bobby Abe look at the sideline look. I mean, what? Do you know why LSU's <laughs> colors were purple and gold? Because when uh, they first had a football team, they needed uniforms, and the only place that they could find enough material to make that many uniforms was from surplus Cadbury's Easter Was from surplus Mardi Gras gear left out of New Orleans. So the colors okay. became purple and gold. And here I thought it was just yes, two eggs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I know Huey okay. Long was a big promoter promoter for LSU, so I did not know that. Oh about yeah, the colors. Uh, Alice, Quick, Allison, what are the, go ahead. What are the colors of UL? Red and black. Uh, vermilion, red. Vermilion oh, red and white. Yeah. Oh mm-hmm. my God, girl. Never mind. <laughs> you, you just keep just keep sitting there. Just keep sitting there. Okay. <laughs> so next question. Checks in the mail. Raging, yeah. She had next, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, next question. She's got a uh, Raging Cajun shirt on, too. All right. Um, so we have uh, two coaching – we have one big coaching vacancy left, Then we got a couple of assistants, um, one maybe an assistant linebacker coach, which I don't know if they're going to fill that or not, uh, because I think one of the reasons why we had an assistant linebackers coach is because Vic was kind of doing more than just coaching the linebackers. I think that's what the assistant was mainly doing. Um but uh, the only the vacancies – I'm sorry to interrupt. The only vacancies that I'm showing that we have left is the special teams guru, uh, which I fully anticipate uh, – what's his name, O'Day? Kevin O'Day, yeah, coming back. Uh, I, I fully anticipate him being elevated to that position. But the only other one that I see that we haven't uh, addressed thus far is defensive line coach. Yeah, and uh, I expect we'll probably hear something the next day or so. Uh, Senior Bowl really is uh, a job fair, and I'm pretty sure they've got it narrowed down. They interview probably a couple people at Senior Bowl, yeah. but uh, they'll probably have that name the next couple of days. Now, they try not to name to have too much outside news Super Bowl week because they like to keep the focus on the two teams, but – uh, I'm sure the Saints will make an announcement, you know, very quietly. They hired a defensive line coach in the next couple of days. So um, I'd sure. be surprised. Um, okay, so we talked a little bit of wide receivers. Um, Willie Sneed is going to be hitting free agency. Uh, I think he's a restricted free agent, is he? Or is he unrestricted? Give me one second. Let me pull that up. Um that's what I'm doing that, myself. That I, thought I, I thought I looked that up earlier, but I don't know. Give me today was a today was a Monday disguised as a Tuesday. Uh let me see. Hang on. Got it right here. Loading, loading, loading. Uh uh. No, I don't want to subscribe. Shut up. <laughs> Um, here we go Willie Sneed yeah he's he's 
He's an ERFA. What the hell is an ERFA? I know restricted is RFA. Um, I guess earned restricted free agents. Uh, okay. No, I have to pay to find out, but it says ERFA, such which lends me to believe he's a restricted free agent. Yes, he is restricted yeah, so. free agent. So basically, the Saints will have to tender him, and um, other teams can try and sign him, uh, depending on what the tender is. They might they'll get a draft pick for him if they're smart. Um, what? Matthew says he's exclusive rights free agent. That's what ER. Okay. Exclusive. Okay. Well, yeah. it's okay. restricted, restricted or exclusive rights. That must be the new term for restricted. Okay. All right. Of course, Matthew's going to chime in. Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so basically he's the Saints unless they decide otherwise. Uh, now, some people were speculating. I saw Christian Garrett was speculating that Corey Fuller, who they signed right before the end of the season, uh, I think the week before the Atlanta game, um, yeah. there's a possibility as being the fallback option if someone goes and grabs Snead and, and pays him. Uh, and the Saints, you know, just get the compensation for him. Do you think that might happen? And if so, do you think that's a good or bad thing? Me or Alex? Both, both of y'all. I'm asking both of y'all. I think it's going to boil down. Actually, uh, in the final analysis, I, I really and truly believe it's going to boil down to not how bad that the Saints want to keep Willie Sneed so much as how much Willie Sneed wants to stay in New Orleans. Um, it's going to be a matter of New Orleans making an offer to him and him deciding whether that offer is going to be enough to keep him here or in offers from other teams. Because obviously well, there's going could, to be someone out there that's yeah. willing to pay to get him out of New Orleans. I'll, uh, the Saints aren't going to offer him much. They'll probably offer him a tender, probably comparable to a second-round pick. Um, you know, I'd be surprised if it's less than that. Um, and that's still a very workable number for them. Um, how about you, Allison? Do you think that the Saints will keep Willie Sneed, work to keep him? Yeah, they do. He's more of the third down guy. So I feel like if they got rid of him, who would they really turn to into your third down guy or whatever? Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't think that Corey – I think Corey Fuller is somebody they're interested in, but I think that would be awfully a dangerous game to, to lose Snead uh, and then count on another rookie or Coleman to step up, even with Curtis Johnson as a position coach. I think uh, you've got a great mixture here with uh, – with uh, Thomas, Cooks, and Sneed, um, you know, inside and outside really opens up your offense again. Um, I, I, I think expecting a, a Fuller to fall into that position and just sort of be Willie Sneed, uh, I, I think that's expecting a little much. Because, I mean, Sneed has been in this offense, what, three years now? This will be his yeah. This will be his third year um, coming up. And there, there's last <laughs> last year. Last year was when he really came on the scene. Yeah, I I think that 
just expecting that someone to step into that role may be a little much. Uh, but you have players on the fringe, uh, like, for example, your Kobe Fleener, that can mm-hmm. step up their game. Uh, if Kobe Fleener learns to catch the ball and then not fumble the ball, you're looking at a, another uh, dozen receptions right there. Um, yeah, I, and I, we're going to talk about the tight end position uh, later on in another another episode. I think, um, yeah, there's some interesting possibilities that could happen in, with the tight ends, especially with two of them coming off of injury. Uh, the Saints have been looking at tight ends in the draft. Yeah, that, that's going to, and then there's the whole Jimmy Graham rumor floating around that the that the uh, the Seahawks may release him or trade him away to try and save the money so they can spend it on offensive linemen. So, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff that could happen with Graham. Um, hey, Al- don't just, Allie, don't, Allie just don't, broke out in a cold sweat. Hang on a minute. Yeah. Don't discount um, what happens in the Pro Bowl. I mean, you've got guys sitting there talking to each other. Uh, remember, uh, Darren Sproles came to the Saints basically after the uh, he and Breeze worked out together in San Diego. So, you know, these players talk to each other. There's a little bit of recruiting that goes on around there. So we'll see what happens with all these things. But we're going to talk about the tight ends much later. Um, you, have, you have on the list next up three players likely to move up in, in 17. What, what are you talking about with that? Me? Uh, yeah. Y- y- well – Say just just for the sake of this conversation that mm-hmm. uh, Willie Sneed gets an offer from so and so and he decides to move on. Who are the three most likely uh, candidates to step up into a uh, a I'm not going to say a starting role necessarily, but a much bigger role? Well, for me, for me, it would have to be first on the list would be Tommy Lee Lewis. It. If he can manage to hold the ball and stay out of the doghouse. But oh, Tommy Lee Lewis's first responsibility on this team, as of right now anyway in my mind, his first responsibility for the New Orleans Saints is going to be a return. You know, um, the problem you have really is um, – I mean, I put Brandon Coleman at the top of the list because obviously he was the fourth receiver. Um, after that, I have a feeling if there's somebody's going to step up, if let's just say that we lose Steve, if someone steps up, it's it's going to be somebody who's not currently on this roster. I'll be honest with you. I'm looking at the receiving uh, position here, and you know. Uh, <laughs> Before we even hit free agency, you know, you got Corey Fuller, Jake Lampman, Rashad Lawrence, Tommy Lee Lewis, uh, and Jordan Lambert Williams. Um, you know, not exactly a, a, a great litter to pick through. I think they would look for somebody else beforehand. You know, they'd bring in a, a veteran receiver of some kind. You know, they tried to bring in um, – the guy ended up going to Detroit. Um, Bolden, they tried to bring Bolden in, you know, as a possible leadership position. It kind of – it didn't really work out. They brought that kid in from San Diego. Well, not kid, but, you know, he got hurt on IR and they waived him. Um, 
So, you know, it, it, I, I would not be surprised to see them draft a receiver, in fact. I know people are screaming right now when they hear that. Defense, defense, only defense. You know, but, I mean, when you're looking at the sixth and seventh round and you're starting to pick through what's left, if you've got a receiver that's pretty highly ranked on the board, you take him, even though you're loaded receiver. So, oh, look, Matt's sending me a, a list of all understanding NFL free agency. Thank you. Yeah, he just sent me uh, something, too. Yeah, it's the same thing. You sent it to both of us, then. No, he said if C doesn't sign the tender, the Saints offer, like he doesn't play that season. What? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know that. I know that. I know what you're um, talking about. Yeah, but he's going to sign his tender. It, it, it's, yeah. That's not a question of that. It's a question of what kind of tender did it give him and what, yeah. he, you know, uh, does anyone try and match that? Because let's just say, like I said, the Saints put a tender on him worth a second round pick, okay? So a team that signs him, the Saints will still have seven days to match it, to choose to match it. And if they don't match it, they get a second-round pick. So, yeah. you know, it's a win-win. So, I mean, that, yeah. we'll talk more about that, of what course, did, because of free agency. But um, What did you give up to get Willie Sneed? Uh, nothing. Nothing. So, was, yeah. So it's win-win. I, I mean, yeah. I, don't get me wrong. Uh I love Willie Sneed as a player on this team. Don't get me wrong. But invariably, the num- the name on the front of the jersey always has to supersede the name on the back of the jersey. Well, you know, I, I, I as much as I enjoy Willie Sneed, you know, I, I'm not going to call him a poor man's Lance Moore anymore because he's stepped up considerably. Yeah. He's no longer – he's his own man now. But like Lance Moore – but uh, this is a receiver that Drew Brees has made and this offense has made. And it would be hard for him as a number three receiver, because that's essentially what he is now, a number three receiver, uh, to step into some other offense to become the number one or number two guy, which is what they probably end up paying him like. So, you know, it, it would be a challenge for that kind of guy. A receiver but, um, that Drew Brees made, kind of like uh, – Don't Brees. even go there. Don't even go there. Don't even go there. Uh, Allie just All put right. a laser scope right between my eyeglasses, man. Allison's Allison has met Jimmy Graham. Uh, I've got a picture of her with Jimmy Graham up in her in her room. So I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, look, guys. Uh, I'll be the first one to admit. You know, uh, the further we get into this, uh, the days. You know, it's been kind of a not necessarily a funny haha joke, but a running joke nonetheless. Making one more run before Drew is done. Uh, you know, those days are getting beginning to be yeah. numbered. You know, I, I've argued with this for people on the Facebook and everything else for a long time when they get into to the weaknesses of Graham. You know, he doesn't block, he doesn't do this, doesn't do that. You know, I'm like, all he did was catch touchdowns. And last time I looked, <laughs> touchdowns and, and catching first downs, that's probably the most important thing in football. You know, if you can catch first downs and move the chains and you catch touchdowns and you score, that's all I want you – that's all I need out of you. I don't care if you're the worst blocker in football. If you're catching <laughs> touchdowns and getting first downs – that day. Touch, a touchdown's worth six points. How much is a block worth? That's right. You know, last time I looked, the team that scores the most wins the game. 
You know, I don't know if any other rules have changed since then, but the team that scores the most wins the game. So, yeah. Speaking of which, um, because once we get past this nightmare Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, um, we we start a whole yeah we start a whole new football (laughs) season. Um, We start with the draft, which I like to call Christmas in April. Um, The draft (laughs) is April twenty fifth, except you can't open these presents until really July. But um, the draft starts up, and we're going to try and do. I think we teased this last time a super draft preview. On April 25th at 8 o'clock, um, a special two-hour show with uh, a ton of guests. Uh, many oh, yeah. of them have been on the show already. Tyler Raymond, yep. Bob Rose, um, my own son. Uh, then there's a few others that we're trying to drag in. Uh, Sean, why don't you go ahead and tell us about some of these other guys? Uh, we have uh, some of my buddies from uh, ProFootballSpot.com, like Jack Kopansky, Jake Arthur, Ryan Tracy, who was also on with us. Uh, he he covers the Chiefs. He was on with us earlier this year. Yes. Um, and, and there'll be a few others um, I, we're currently talking to and negotiating with. Uh, you know, everybody wants a spot on under the dome. We have to kind of. Mill yeah. it out and dole, the, dole the, it over. Demand show. <laughs> the demand show. Um, and, of course, we have two now, guests coming uh, up, too. Yeah. Um, on February the 7th, we're going to have, from last word on sports, uh, John Butler. He's going to be a guest with us next week. Uh, and the following week, which will be February the 14th, we're going to have back from uh, the Who Dat Dish, Bob Rose, our buddy from uh, from upstate Pennsylvania. I'm sure his <laughs> girlfriend's really going to appreciate the fact he's been on a podcast instead of with her on yeah. Valentine's night. Yeah, you know, that's that, that, guys, there, is no, there is no Valentine's anymore. I mean, that's all dead. You know? Just, just <laughs> for the record, it's, it's all my fault. Yeah, yeah. I I schedule the guests. I I do all the. It's all my fault. I got big yeah. shoulders, and my wife will punch me in the face. So yeah, there we go. So yeah, that's something <laughs> I look forward to. We have a couple of good guests lined up, so we're going to keep going through the off season, and then we're going to build towards that super draft preview, where each week we're going to go into not only position analysis of the uh, of the Saints, but we're also going to position analysis of the draft. You know, starting with uh, the most important, some of the most important areas like defensive line, linebacker, yeah. that kind of stuff, and uh, get our guests take on who they think the Saints should look at or should be looking at um, as far as draft choices. And also free agency is coming up. Free agency will be after the combine at the uh, beginning of March this year. So, yeah, it's, you know, people are going to be sitting there for a long time waiting to see what's going to happen. And, of course, free agency changes everything we do in the draft. You know, if we uh, were to sign, say, a stud line outside linebacker, suddenly now outside linebacker is not going to be that big of a need in the draft compared to defensive line. So yeah. it's all things, you know, uh, draft is shaped definitely by the uh, what happens in free agency. Um, yeah. Allie, so, let me ask you this. Uh, 
what do you see as the the top three positions of need heading towards the draft? Oh wait, me? Yeah, you. You. Yes, you. Oh, um, I think the Saints really do need a defense. Really, they need another safety. They need a defensive line, and they need a linebacker. I think those are the three main things they need because if Kenny Vaccaro can play, play a whole season and play like he was playing last season, yeah, it's going to be a lot better because I don't think Jarius Bird is going to stay with the team any longer. I think they might move on from him. So if you get a good safety backup that can, you know, outplay Bird, you can see Bird gone probably some point season. I think that – that the the position of safety is going to depend uh, a great deal on the development of Von Bell. I really do. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as what she was just alluding to in terms of moving on from Jairus Bird, I think that's going to depend in a great way on exactly how far developed Von Bell goes from – his rookie season through training camp. Well, and you, you know, you're still looking at a three safety alignment still. So, you know, even with, yeah. even to say Von Bell does develop enough to be a starter, you're still looking at another safety that probably be playing out there because yeah. um, that's just the, the type of as defense like to run. As, as we've seen from this past season, uh, depth is something that we really, really need to be, uh, in my opinion, more mindful of because if your depth is undrafted free agents, then you're going to get exactly what you pay for. If that makes sense, yeah. uh, no, it does. You're not going to you're 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 not going to put undrafted free agents out there to be your depth. And worst case scenario, which for the New Orleans Saints actually happened at the cornerback position. You're not going to put undrafted free agents out there and and uh, have a no, top ten defense in the wake of that. Well, you know, uh, undrafted free agents can they can help you out for a game or two, and sure. they can come in for series and and situational football and so forth. But if you've got to rely on them as your starters to cover the type of receivers that you're going to be facing, not only the NFC South, but just the NFL in general, uh, you know, you're not going to last very long. So, yeah, you've got to build up the depth with uh, better talented players. And let's just say for the sake of argument, they do keep, um, they keep Jarius Bird at a reduced salary. You still are looking at a safety as a possible in the draft because of Bird's age. Um, and yeah, and injuries. So, you know, I don't disagree with that, that kind of analysis at all. You know, defensively, you're looking at all three levels, you're looking at players you need and offensively, you're looking at at least, uh, you know, offensive linemen, cause you, again, age, uh, you do need another guard in there because you yeah. know, even if let's just say that, um, Jari Evans signs up for another year and he can still play at a fairly high level like he did this past year, you still need to bring somebody in as, you know, as your guard of the future, possibly playing uh, in Pete's spot and let Pete challenge Streif 
for that right tackle position or, you know, as he's done all year this past year, back up uh, Armstead and left tackle. You know, I, I after watching Pete go through training camp, preseason, and, and over the season, he has been absolutely ravaged by the New Orleans media. He has had a terrible season, blah, 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 you know, all that. To see him still standing come week 17 and having performed at the level that he did throughout the course of the season. I mean, he had highs, he had lows, obviously, as every player does. But to see him make the end of the season with the experience that he acquired during this season, I think that can only benefit the New Orleans Saints. You know, he gets a lot of flack because he was number one draft pick and a sure. very high draft pick. Um, I'll be honest with you. If you would have told me in week one, or actually even before week one, uh, again, a preseason, that uh, Pete would have been knocked out. I know that Armstead would probably play about six games completely and – and maybe start and not finish three or four more, I would have said, how many snaps, how many starts did Luke McCown get at quarterback? Because, yeah. you know, Armstead's your best left tap, best football player. I mean, best offensive lineman, I'm sorry, went through the whole thing. Best offensive lineman playing left tackle. Uh, and Pete stepped in, did not – dominate like Armstead did, but he wasn't a turnstile either. He played yeah. well enough to keep Breeze clean. They only gave up, I think, what, 13 to 15 sacks? I don't remember the exact number. Something, something like I that. I really love, and yes, we can say that Breeze is a quick release, Breeze can move, and all the other things, but he still protected Breeze enough that he was not feeling heat constantly from that left side the whole time. And yeah. he played well at left guard. He did play very well at left guard. When you put him between Unger and Armstead, when Armstead was out there, he was doing a good job. Um, yeah. You know, the, the weakness of that line was, of course, when Armstead went out, Pete had to move over. Then you put in Molito or Kelamente. Then you saw a weakness. That was the problem yeah. in the same offensive line. So, you know, for all of, and we're going to talk more about the offensive line yeah. probably next week. But you know, for all the crap Pete has put gone through, he actually has been a decent player, decent to good player, which is still below the standards that a first round draft pick should have. But considering the guy has been all over the yeah. offensive line, playing almost every position but center, um, you know, he he has shown that he is not a waste. He is actually a good player who can actually help you out and help you win. You know, even uh, Jim Dombrowski, when Dombrowski was drafted, he was drafted to be a tackle, and they moved him into guard and did very well at guard. Uh, and we all consider the 1986 draft class one of the best draft classes ever for the Saints. So, you know, that that we'll talk more about that next week. Um, yeah, we're, we're going to get more on the offensive line later. Uh, yeah. But for everything – uh, what the point I was trying to make was for everything that was asked of the guy, uh, for him to even still be standing at the end of this season says mm -hmm. speaks a lot to his resolve. Anyway, um, so yeah, let, 
one last thing, then we'll kind of have to wrap it up now because we're over time. Uh, you know, like I told you all about the, the quarterback, so wide receiver position is probably the strongest position in the team offensively right now. Absolutely. We, we, we probably have three pro, pro Bowl caliber receivers who really fit this offense well. And uh, they all play off each other well. Michael Thomas, uh, you know, I said so much about him last week. I can't say enough. He's probably my favorite offensive player, not named Drew Brees, uh, just because I love how he approaches the game. I love how he catches the ball. I love how he finishes. Uh, I I just love his competitiveness. Um, Brandon Cooks is uh, is basically – you know, old Cliff Branch from the Raiders, you know, he is that same kind of player. Uh, Mini me. Yeah, yeah, he is. <laughs> he is, uh, he is, every time he catches that ball, he is good to go. And then uh, Willie Sneed is Mr. First Down. Uh, you know, I love the way he plays too. Um, yeah. You know, Brandon Coleman's the only, the only question mark we have, and he just does not play at his capacity. Oh, Alice is losing the Wi-Fi on us. Okay, that's probably the school Wi-Fi. Oh. That's why she's frozen down there. She's not sleeping. She's frozen. Um, she just texted <laughs> me. So she might come back in a minute. Yep, she just disappeared on us. Okay. I had a feeling well, we, she, wasn't, she wasn't talking very much. And I had she's not doing she's not feeling well either. But she's on uh UL's Wi-Fi. And yeah, I, I was afraid that was gonna happen. That's everybody but Miss Deb, right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, you're not going to get Reagan. Reagan's not gonna, Reagan doesn't talk sports. Um. But anyway, we'll <laughs> we'll, we'll pick on Allison later. It, like she was sleeping there in the corner. But um. Anyway, we'll uh. We'll go on some more of that uh, next week. Um, Sean, give me final thoughts you want to share with the with the class. Oh well. Uh, don't chew gum. Don't smoke. Uh, keep your drinking to a minimum. Uh, <laughs> yep. I don't know, man. It just occurred to me. Uh, it's you know you look back on things sometimes, and it's you know it seemed like a good idea at the time. Uh, uh, strict again. Uh, as, as I started off the hour. Uh, thank you guys so much very much thank you guys for your support uh for what we're doing uh this is a labor of love for alan and i uh this is something that we believe strongly in and that uh we enjoy a great deal doing and as long as you guys are sitting there uh listening we're gonna be sitting right here talking uh Thank you guys so much for your support. Absolutely. And, um, you know, kind of trying to just suck it up. And uh, I don't know, I, I'm I'm debating whether I'm even going to watch the Super Bowl. The last Super Bowl I missed was Super Bowl, the, the, the Patriots-Eagles one in that, 2005. Because I was actually at Disney World. That was uh, the night I got this tattoo. Really? That was the night I got my Tasmanian Devil tattoo. Oh, but anyway. Man. I won't even ask how that even came about. But anyway, um, yeah, so I'm debating whether I'm going to watch this Super Bowl and I'll probably put it on for the first quarter. And if Atlanta starts tearing the Patriots apart, I'm turning it off because 
people in NCIS. Alabama don't Alabama, people in Alabama don't need to hear that level of profanity coming out of my house. That's all I'm saying. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah, it just, it, that's not a good well, thing. Well, you know, me personally, um, and, and I, people laugh at me when I make this analogy, but um, for me, the biggest holiday on the calendar year is it's not Christmas, it's not Easter, it's not 4th of July, it's Super Bowl Sunday. And it always has been. All my life, growing up, the the most interaction that I had with my dad was uh, watching Super Bowl. What was the first Super Bowl you saw? Oh, probably the first one that I saw or the first one that I remember. First one you remember then. Probably 1980 with the Steelers and the Rams. Okay. That's okay. The pri- That's probably the first one that I can really uh, bring to mind. Yeah. The first one uh, I watched was Super Bowl X, Steelers-Cowboys. That was the first one I can remember sitting there watching. Um, now, my dad went to Super Bowls four, then went to Tulane Stadium, and Super Bowls – I think it was six. Yeah, six uh, was in Tulane Stadium. Dolphins, Cowboys, yeah. and Super Bowl nine in Tulane Stadium with the Steelers and the Vikings. And he had tickets to go to the Super Bowl eleven, no twelve, which was Dallas and Denver in the Superdome. But he decided not to go. Yeah. And stop. He stopped going after that because they used to offer Super Bowl tickets to the host city's season ticket holders. Uh, to get people to go to this. That's how it was back then. Anyway, the story I yeah. remember most about Super Bowl Nine and was uh, it was one of those typical New Orleans days. The day before, five degrees, and a front was going to come through. 65, 70, kind of humid. A front came through that Saturday night, early Sunday morning, and it changed it 40 degree temperature difference and the wind comes out of the North and it's blowing and the field is soggy and the whole bit. And my dad took my best friend's dad to the game and they're sitting at the game and the guy's going, my dad's name was Alan, but he, he went by Al. He says, Al, I can't believe you're drinking cold beer. It's 30 degrees outside. I'm freezing in this wind. And my dad's like, it's equalized the temperature that way. You know, I got my body internal temperature equalized with the weather outside drinking cold beer. The whole game. That's my dad. My dad is, yeah, he is the person that tells a waitress. Is your dad, is your dad still living? Oh, yeah, he's 75. He just turned 75 uh, January 25th. He said... I have, I have got to meet Mr. Al. Oh, yeah, yeah. Big Al, yeah, <laughs> you, you can meet him. He's he's a trip. He tell, he goes and plays golf. This was in July, August, plays golf. So he tells the, the they come back to the clubhouse, and he says, give me two beers. And Lee says, I can only give you one beer at a time. He says, all right, let me tell you what you're going to do. You're going to bring my first beer, put it in front of me. Walk straight to the back. We'll get my second beer. By the time you come back to my second beer, this will be empty. And she hands a big long back to him. And sure enough, she comes back to the second beer. He puts the full beer right there next to him. Bring it. Keep bringing them. 
<laughs> I, I got. I have got to meet Mr. Big Al. Oh yeah, everybody knows. Everybody knows Al. Everybody knows Big Al. Yeah, that's that's him. You know, seventy-five years old. You'd never guess he was seventy-five. You'd think he was in his sixties. Damn, my dad's <laughs> a trip. Um, well, my dad is funny. Um, I, I, I have to meet Mr. Al. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and to work for him is even more interesting because <laughs> the man. He has an unbelievable memory. He can remember everything, except when you send him to the store. Tell him to go pick up a two-liter <laughs> bottle of Coke, comes back with a two-liter bottle of Diet Mountain Dew. Tells you it's the same thing. No, it's not the same thing. But that's my dad. I could, I could tell oh, you all well. the stories about my dad. He's hilarious. Um, anyway, thank you guys for sticking with us for this much time and, you know, Maybe one day I'll, I'll sit here and tell one story after another about my dad. You, you know, it's all true. All these stories are true. Um, and uh, well, I think <laughs> I thank you guys for uh, for all the uh, the well wishes and everything that I've received over the weekend. Uh, as far as the the three years goes, uh, from here it's uh, it's on to number four. There we go. Good deal. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, we invite you back next week. Our 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 guest will be uh, John Butler. John Butler from we'll Last post, Word on Sports. We'll do the post mortem of the Super Bowl. Maybe the commercial <laughs> will be more interesting. So anyway, thank you guys for watching <laughs> Under the Dome. Y'all take it easy. All right. Have a good night.